Welcome to today's audio podcast, a sermon teaching from Grace Bible Church of Akron. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of GBC and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at gbcakron.org. Please take a moment to let us know how this ministry is impacting your life by emailing us at info at gbcakron.org. That's I-N-F-O at gbcakron.org. Also, if you would like to support Grace Bible Church, you may do so by visiting gbcakron.org forward slash giving. Thank you for listening and enjoy the podcast. Good morning again. Thank you so much for being here at Grace Bible Church today and for joining us online. You know, we're going to continue looking at the, the letter of, of 1 John and uh, seeing what the Lord has to say to us. We've been looking at that for quite some time, but 1 John takes a turn. He finds the first three chapters, he talks about things that we need to know so that we can remove uncertainty from our lives. But then after he, he goes through that, the, the last uh, part of the letter of 1 John, it all deals about love and, and how we should be loving one another. Now, you don't have to go to church uh, to be uh, to, to hear the idea that we should be loving one another. Um, if you've watched any beauty pageants or anything, there's generally always a, someone that stands up and says, I just wish the world would love one another. You know, that's, that's their answer. And um, it, it, when, we, when we talk about this idea of loving one another, it, it kind of reminds me of, of the person who said, if loving one another is the answer, can we rephrase the question? You know, can, can we change that? Because we all know this is something that we should do, but not only do we not do it, sometimes we don't even want to do it. You know, we don't even want to love one another. And I, I was looking at, at just some things that I could quickly find on the internet um, about what is love. Uh, if some of you might remember the old comedian George Burns, George Burns said that love is like a backache. Uh, it doesn't show up on the x-ray, but you know it's there, you know? And, and then uh, George Schultz, the guy who did all the Peanuts cartoons, he said love is sharing your popcorn. Oh, sounds like something he would say. My favorite came from this guy named Ben Hatch. I, I don't even know who Ben Hatch is, but I like this one. He said, love is the magician that pulls people out of their hats, you know? And that's true. If, if we can learn to love one another, it changes who we are. It changes how, how we behave, how, how we see other people, how we treat other people. I want to ask you a question this morning, just a, a series of questions. And, you know, you don't have to answer out loud if you want to, but, but I don't know, kind of raise your hand. Let me know you're alive, that there's a pulse out there, okay? Here, here's what we want to know. How many of you would like to experience more confidence in your faith? Just raise your hand if you want that. Cool, okay. How many of you would like to experience more answered prayer? Okay, all right. How many of you would like to, to feel closer to God? Okay, now there's a couple of you didn't raise your hand at all. Obviously, somebody needs to punch you in the face or something, okay? <laughs> I mean, you, you, need, you need to wake up, all right? But all of us, generally speaking, especially those of us at church, would say, yeah, I want those things. I, I want everything that you just mentioned. I wished I had more of that or was experiencing more of that. 
John would say, John would tell us that if we want those things, if we want to experience more answered prayer, if we want to experience more confidence in our faith, if we want, if we want to, to feel like we're closer to God, John would say the key is loving one another. That's what he would say. He said, if you, if you really want those things, then you and I must learn to love one another. He talks about four levels of love in this passage that we're gonna be looking at together this morning. It starts in 1 John 3, verse 11. He says, for this is the message you heard from the beginning, we should love one another. And when he says the beginning, he's talking about your beginning when you started walking with the Lord. When, when, when you and I, when there are people that, that come to know Christ, when they, when they come to know Christ or when they're first exposed to God, one of the first things they, they discover is that God is love and that God wants us to love one another. And so once we become aware of that, he's saying that's the beginning. From, from the beginning, we've always known we should love one another. And then he describes four levels of love. It starts at the lowest level and it'll work its way to the highest level. But he goes, this first level is, is what John, I, I would just call it the absence of love, which is what John calls murder. Okay? I know it's kind of strange. If we're going to talk about love, why would we start with murder? Because murder is, is the absence of love. There is no love there. And John gives us an example of what he's talking about. He goes on to say in verse 12, do not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Cain, the Bible tells us that Cain uh, belonged, John said he belonged to the evil one. This means that his attitudes and, and his actions, they originated with, with Satan. They originated with the, with the devil. If you're not familiar with the story of Cain and Abel, uh, let's, let, let me tell you a little bit about it. Cain and Abel uh, were the first two sons of Adam and Eve. Now, Adam and Eve were uh, created. They were placed in the Garden of Eden. Uh, these two guys, Cain and Abel, they grew up in the same household just outside the Garden of Eden. They had the same parents. They had the same social circumstances. They, they, they had the same education. They, they pretty much had the same everything as far as environment goes. But Abel loved God and Cain didn't. And so I, I want us to just, Genesis 4 gives us a little snapshot of what was going on in their lives. It says Adam and Eve had two sons, Cain and Abel. And when they grew up, Abel became a shepherd while Cain cultivated the ground. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Important to notice that Cain is a worshiper. Okay, Cain, Cain is somebody who believes in God. He's going to worship God, okay? Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain's and his gift. This made Cain very angry and he looked dejected. Why are you so angry, the Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? Will, you will be accepted if you do what is right, but if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. 
One day, Cain suggested to his brother, let's go out into the fields. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. So John starts off talking about love by saying, don't be like Cain. Cain was this guy that obviously knew God. He attempted to worship God and God rejected his worship. God rejected his worship because Cain, that, that, you know, we're not told everything, but basically God had given some type of instruction on how he was to be worshiped and Cain didn't follow that instruction. He said, I believe in God, but I will worship God the way I want to, not the way God has asked me to. And so when Cain and Abel showed up to worship the Lord, Abel had obeyed the Lord, Cain had disobeyed the Lord, and, and the Lord said, Cain, I don't accept your worship. And instead of Cain accepting that and repenting of that and saying, you know what, I need to humble myself and do what God's asking me to do, instead he he grew envious of his brother Abel. And that envy turned to anger, and that anger turned to hatred, and that hatred eventually turned to murder. And John says that if we're going to learn to love one another, we can't be like Cain. We can't, well, how does that, how does that translate out to me and you? It means you and I can't worship God like we want to. We have to worship God like he tells us to. And if we don't, if we say, you know what, I believe in God, but I'm, but I'm, not, gonna, I'm not gonna do things the way God asked me to do them, then God doesn't accept that. And that begins to create a problem inside of us to the point that, yes, even we might be willing to murder someone. And I know that's hard for us to think about. That's hard for us to imagine, you know, because... I doubt anybody here has murdered anyone. I, there, there, there may be one or two people in here that know someone who's murdered someone or watching online. So when we talk about murder, immediately inside those inside the church would say, well, we don't do that. Well, that's not something we do. I've been a pastor for over 30 years, and I can tell you the most common form of murder in the American church is what we call abortion. And there's people that go to church and, and they worship God and, and they do that. I've had the privilege of, of being a pastor in, in Alabama and California and Ohio and in Kentucky and I've seen it in all places. We're not immune to this. John says, don't be like Cain, that's the first level of, of, of love that he's talking about, really the, a total absence of love which leads to murder. The, the second level is, is what I, you and I would call the opposite of love, which is what John calls hate. Look at what he says. He says, do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from, die, from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. The only difference between level one and level two is the act of taking a life. But the fuel in the heart is the same poison. The person who hates and the person who murders are running off the same fuel. I know... We judge one another by what someone does. 
But God doesn't judge that way. God judges by what someone wants to do. That's why Jesus said in, in, in the Gospels, he said that, that if you hate in your heart, it's like murder. It's, it, he's not saying that you've committed murder, but he's judging off of what we want to do. He, he says the same thing about lust. He says if you lust in your heart, you, you would, it's like committing adultery. Why? You may not have actually committed adultery, but it was in your heart. God judges off what we want to do, not what we do. And this is why hate is such a strong thing to hang on to. In Titus, there's a verse there that, that Paul wrote, and he's talking about what our lives were like before we knew Christ. And he says, before knowing Christ, we lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. That is the normal existence for someone who doesn't know Christ. They, they, they are hating and being hated. And, and if you look at our world, this is the existence of many people. Hate is, is, a, is a common feeling, a common emotion, a common attitude that they have. They, they, they know they are hated and they know they hate others. And John says that for those who have received Christ as their savior, he says, we know we have passed from death to life because we love each other. That's, that's how someone knows that they're really following the Lord. They, that's how they know they really know Jesus Christ and have experienced God in their life because they have passed away. They have moved out of hate into loving. They still disagree. They still don't see things eye to eye. We still have struggles and problems and arguments and debates, but we don't hate. We don't hate. John is saying that literally it's a matter of life and death. This is how we know we've passed from death to life. We love one another. John is not saying that someone who commits murder or, or someone who hates can't be forgiven of their sin. Obviously, they, they can. We know this to be true. I mean, the apostle Paul, writing of his own story, said that he did things that he knows he did things that had people killed. He knows that he hated people in such a way that their lives were forever altered, but yet he found forgiveness. You and I can too. And I know many of us who have been going to church a long time, we know enough about the Bible to know we're not supposed to hate. So we don't call it hate. We just call it something else. But inside, it's hate. And being a pastor for so many years, I can tell you that the most normal, the most accepted forms of hate within the American church is, is hate for politicians, and the things that we say because someone politically is in a different position than we are. And how we scream that on our social media and, and how we say that in family meetings and, and how, how we, the disdain that we have for people who view the world politically different than, than we might. I'm telling you, that is not from God. 
That is not from God. And, and somehow Christians get on these, these high religious horses that make us feel like we're better or that we see it right. or I, I don't know what it is, but I can tell you how the world interprets it. They interpret it as hate. John says that shouldn't be in the life of a believer. It happens over social issues. It's not just political issues. There's social issues, things that, that, that in, inside society, lifestyles that are accepted and adopted by people that are very different than, than, than what we would say we're trying to do as we follow the scriptures. And, and those people make those choices and they start living that way and we have to rub shoulders with them. But be careful. Don't treat them as though you hate them. Yes, you can disagree. Yes, absolutely. But don't hate. That, that's, not, that's not what Christ has, has called us to do. And even inside the church, people can mistreat one another and they get hurt by one another. And, and I've seen people, and, and because they've been hurt by someone, that all of a sudden they feel justified to hate that person. Listen, we, we can have a lot of emotions. We can hang on to a lot of things. But we, but we can't hate. That's what John is saying. John is saying that, that, if, that if someone is truly a follower of Jesus Christ, that, that hate can't reside in the heart. It can't be normal inside the life of a believer to hate for any reason. We may strongly disagree. We may, we may even argue and debate and get angry, but we can't. We can't just say, I, I, I hate and it's okay. That's what John is talking about, that we, we can't be that way. There's a third level of love that he begins to talk about. It's, it's what I call the calculated love, which is indifference. It's indifference. This is by far the most common, I would say. If, if, I, were going, if, I, if I were going to have to choose over my life experience in pastoring churches of what is the most common type of, of false love within the church, it is this calculated love, this thing that's indifference. Look at what John says. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. I, I just wanna point out something. That, that verse, that is 1 John 3.16. Most people know John 3.16. It's amazing how many don't know 1 John 3.16. Look at it again, look at what it says. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters if anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? No pity. It means that they close their heart. They close their affections. They shut down their sympathy. They shut down their empathy. Biblical love actively avoids evil and at the same time actively pursues doing good. You know, I have someone in my life right now who firmly believes that if they are not doing anything bad, they are being good. And you realize that's not true. Just because we're not doing something bad 
doesn't mean we are doing something good. In fact, if, if, we're, if, if the goal of life is to say, you know what, I'm just not gonna be bad and I'm not gonna hurt anyone, but I'm not gonna do anything to really help anyone, that is the definition of indifference. That is the definition of it. That is what it means to say, I'm not gonna do anything to hurt anybody, I'm just not gonna do anything to help anybody either because it's about me. And what I'm trying to accomplish and what I'm trying to do and what I'm trying to get done. And I believe in God, oh, I love God, and I'm not gonna hurt anybody, but I'm not really gonna help anybody either. That is indifference. Jesus laid down his life for us. Aren't you glad he did not ask us to lay down our lives? No, all he's asked us to do is help people. That's all he's really asked us to do in the context that we currently find ourselves living in. He's just asked us to help others, our brothers and sisters, when they're in need. We live in an information age which allows us to know about a lot of need. And so it becomes kind of overwhelming, doesn't it? It's easy to become indifferent because Anytime we turn on the internet, anytime we, we, we turn on TV, we're, we're bombarded with commercials about people and animals. <laughs> they all need help, support them, you know, and, and, and all this stuff. And so after a while, it becomes, it's like, oh my gosh, I can't help everything. And you know what? You're right. So how do, how do I know, how, how do you and I know what we're supposed to help and what we're not supposed to help? First of all, let me clarify this. You should always choose people over animals. Always. If that, if that is even a close question in your heart, let me just put that to rest for you. You should always choose to help people over animals, okay? You'd be surprised how many people struggle with this because in the American church, you're going to have a hard time believing this. Inside the American church, we spend three times as much on our pets as we do our giving. Yeah. So if you need help with that one, always choose people over animals. But second, after you've got that nailed down, if I'm going to truly help someone, I must have the means to help them. I hear about all kinds of problems that I can't help with. I don't have the means to help, okay? If I don't have the means to help, I'm not responsible to help. That should free some of you up right there. If I don't have the means to help, then I'm not responsible to help, okay? The second thing is that I must know that the need exists. Okay, I, 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 if I, I, in other words, I can't feel guilty for something I don't know about. If I didn't know that person needed help, then I shouldn't feel bad if I didn't help them because I didn't know. And third, I must be loving enough to want to share. So if I have the means to help and I have the knowledge that they need help, it really boils down to I have the love to help. That's the only way that we can help and love one another is if those three things are nailed down.
And John says that, that if we're going to be indifferent, and, and that becomes normal, okay? I, I get it. We, we, we are bombarded, okay? But if it becomes normal, I mean, it, it's, like, it's like the organizations that say, oh, we can't help you because if we help you, we have to what? Help everyone. And that becomes our excuse to help no one. That is indifference. But there are people who take that on as their personal motto. That becomes the way they manage their finances. That becomes the way they live their lives. They begin to say, I can't help, I can't help so-and-so. If I help so-and-so, then I gotta help this person. Then I gotta help that person. I, gosh, I can't help everyone, so I'm gonna help no one. Stop using the word help and start putting the word love there. Because that's really what that is. That's what John is talking about. If, if, if we could calculate indifference in our life, I was trying to think this through. I'm a, I'm a math major. I know that's hard to believe. I can't even balance my checkbook. But, but here's the thing. If, if, think about it like this. We all love self-preservation, right? That, we all wanna preserve ourselves. So if self-preservation was at 100, okay? Because that's something that we all wanna do. We all wanna take care of ourselves, make sure that we have what we need. So that's at 100, if we're going to love other people, okay, that requires personal sacrifice. So, so, so at what level, what, what value would you give your personal sacrifice to help someone? Is it 10? Okay, so, so if, if self-preservation's at 100, but I'm gonna personally sacrifice at a 10, that means your indifference is 90. Do you follow? You see, you see how that works? And, and listen, I, again, John is, John is not saying, John is not saying that, that we have to, to have nothing to sacrifice everything away. He's not saying that. He's just saying there's no way we can follow Jesus Christ and not care about others. At some capacity, at some level, that should exist. And if it doesn't, how he, he just asked the question. He's not answering the question. He's just asking the question. How can the love of God be in that person? Which builds up to the fourth level of love, which is biblical love, sacrifice. He goes on to say, dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and truth. So to love with words means that we talk about the need. We might even pray about the need, but that's as far as it goes. That's loving with words. Loving in truth means that I take action. I do something to express love. And when we do that, it always costs something. There is no way we can love anyone without it costing us something. If, if, if we can love someone and it doesn't cost us anything, we didn't love them. We may have been kind, we, I don't know. I don't know what, it, but it wasn't love. Love always costs. It always costs. He goes on to say, this is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, what he's talking, he's, in other words, he's saying if our conscience, if our conscience condemns us, we know that God is greater than our hearts. God is kinder than our conscience. 
and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. And this is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. So when you and I, when we love sacrificially, John tells us three things happen in our life. Do you remember what I asked you when, when we first started? I said, how many of you, how many of you would, would like uh, to have more confidence in your, in your faith, right? You remember? Almost everyone in here raised their, name, raised their hands. A couple of you were asleep, but everyone else raised your hand, all right? Look at, look at what happens. When we love sacrificially, we experience confidence in the faith. We experience confidence. Loving others impacts our relationship with God. Did you hear me? Loving others impacts our relationship with God. Guess what happens when we don't love others? That also impacts our relationship with God. And so what begins to happen is, is that if you and I, if we are truly loving one another, we're, we're, and that requires sacrifice, right? And that requires, I'm loving someone who's difficult to love. I'm loving someone who may not love me back. I'm loving someone who may not appreciate what I'm doing. Or I'm loving someone who one day might love me back, okay? Uh, I, but I, right now, I'm giving in the moment, expecting nothing in return. If you and I can begin to live like that, we're gonna have confidence in the faith because that's how Jesus loves us. That's how he loves us. He loves us even though we may not give anything back. He loves us even though we may not appreciate it at the moment. He loves us even though we may take advantage of that. And he just keeps loving us. And guess what? When you and I start loving like he loves, all of a sudden there's this confidence that comes in our faith. We know what's working out because we are being like Jesus. I don't remember which one it was. In, in the videos, the testimonial videos, one of the, one of the individuals said, I wanna be like Jesus. I wanna be like Jesus. So I'm starting today with being baptized. I wanna be like Jesus. Well, guess what? Being like Jesus means loving one another every day, sacrificially. And then there's a confidence that comes from that. I asked you how many of you would like to experience answered prayers. Again, almost everyone in here raised their hand. John says that when we love sacrificially, we experience answered prayers. Listen, this doesn't mean that we earn answers to our prayers. It doesn't, uh, you know, by loving others. In other words, there's no tally I can keep that says, okay, God, I was loving to that person, so you should answer this prayer. That, that's not what John is talking about in this passage. It means that our love for one another proves that we are living in the will of God, which allows God to answer our prayers. Does that, does that make sense? Because when we are loving one another, we are doing what God has asked us to do. So our prayers are gonna center around being and doing what he asked us to do. And because we're striving to love one another, 
Now we're in a place where he can answer our prayers. God, God doesn't really answer selfish, non-sacrificial prayers. Have you noticed that? He doesn't, he doesn't always step up on those. But if we're praying to be like him in this world and to love like him in this world, then guess what? We're in a place where he can answer those prayers. And that's what John is talking about. The third thing that I asked you is that how many of you would like to experience a closeness with God? Again, almost everyone in here raised their hand. John says that when we love sacrificially, we experience closeness with God. Listen to how he closed this, this passage out again. He said, um, this is the command to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. The one who keeps his commands lives in him and he in them. How much closer can you get than that? That, that when we believe in Jesus Christ and we love one another, he lives in them and he in them. How much closer can we get than that? And we begin to experience a closeness with God. That word closeness, it's, it's abiding, it's communion, it's, it's being together as we love one another. I started off by saying, how many of you would like to have more confidence in your faith? How many of you would like to have more answered prayers? How many of you would like to feel closer to God? The answer to all three of those questions is love one another. That's the answer. And that's how we encounter all of those things. Let me leave you with a prayer for this week. It says, Father, teach me to love my brothers and sisters in Christ. Expose any murderous or hateful attitudes in my heart. I will confess and repent of them because I want to be right with you. I know I have indifference in me. Give me wisdom and courage to face it and push back against it so I can obey you by sacrificially loving someone near me. Oh Lord, help me to love others. I pray it in Jesus' name. I hope that can be your prayer. John said it from the beginning. We should love one another. Now, let's go do it. Let's go do it. Amen? Amen. God bless you. Have a great Sunday. We'll see you next week.